Well, I want to uh, preach on John 3.16, on God's love this Christmas. You know, there's an old story about a family in World War II, a mom, a dad, and their little boy. And the dad was called into service and sent off to war in World War II. And so every night, the mom and the little boy would look up at a picture of daddy And they would pray for his safety, pray for the safety of the troops, and long for the day when he would be able to return home. Well, one night after their nightly prayer, the little boy, after gazing at that picture, said, Mommy, wouldn't it be great if Daddy could just step out of that picture frame and be here with us? In a way... That's what Christmas is all about. For everyone who looks up at the stars, and like our children's minister said, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. For everyone who looks up at God and longs for that relationship with the heavenly Father and thinks, I I just wish God could step out of the frames of heaven and come and be here with us, that's really the message of Christmas. God with us. God took on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and was born in a manger. It's the true story of your heavenly father stepping out of invisibility and eternity and coming incarnationally and in time. Christians believe and profess that there is a God. God is invisible, but God desires a relationship with each of us, so he's given us his word, right? We can understand his law. We read about God, and ultimately, when the time was just right, he sent us Jesus so we would know what God is like. God sent Jesus into the world because he loves you. So perhaps the simplest and most famous explanation of what God did for us is in John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, 16. You can turn there in your Bible or turn on your Bibles. Perhaps it'll be also, yeah, up here on the screen. You know, it's a famous verse. Even people that aren't familiar with the Bible, they've heard of that. John 3, 16. They see athletes sometimes have John 3, 16 written uh, on their gear. Sometimes at a football game, you'll see before the field goal, somebody will hold up a sign that says John 3, 16. What's the big deal about this verse? The big deal about this verse is you might say it's, it's a summation. It's the gospel in a nutshell. So I want, and especially, I know there's a lot of kids in here, I want to give you a way, kids and big kids, I want to give you a way to not only think about this verse, but maybe next year when you have a chance at school, when you go back to school, maybe you have a chance to share this verse with others. I'll give you a couple helpful things that you can remember about this verse. First, let's just read it. For God so loved the world, this is out of the King James Version, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I hope you have that verse memorized. If not, memorize this verse. Why do I say it's the gospel in one verse? Well, as you're explaining this verse to people, you can show them the gospel. Circle some words. And you might even circle some words in your Bible. Your version may be slightly different. Or if you, if you, have, a, if you have it on your device, you might highlight these words. Let's go through this together. It starts with God. Circle the word God. For God so loved the world. Uh, The gospel starts and ends, right? The Alpha and the Omega is God. This was God's idea. The gospel, the good news, begins in the heart of God. God created everything. And when we sinned against God, it was God who took the initiative to come looking for us. He didn't wait for us to respond before he set his heart to love us. And how did he love us? 
circle the words only and son. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We often measure the value of something by how much it cost the giver. To have a relationship with you, it cost God everything. His only begotten son. God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God, only son. Why did he have to send Jesus? Circle the word, perish. Because we needed rescuing. The word perish means to be destroyed. We're all perishing. Why? Because we've sinned against God. God desired a perfect relationship with us. Sin, we desired to be our own God, to be our own king. And so we turned our backs on God, and in doing so, perish. You know, some people wonder about this. They think, how could a loving God uh, send people to an eternity without him? How could he send people to perish? And I think they misunderstand Uh, Jesus says in the verse after this, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Everyone who believes in the Son has life, and everyone who doesn't believe is condemned already. What's my point? God isn't sending someone to an eternity apart from him. That's our destination. We're headed there already. We're already perishing. So the good news of the gospel is that he's come to save. And that's the last part. God, only son, perish. The wages of sin is death, but then circle everlasting life. The gift of God is everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, did you catch that? Kids, you got it? The words are God, only son, perish, everlasting, and life. There you go. Now you can explain the gospel. See? It's the gospel contained. Now, this only works in the King James Version, okay? The words may be a little, uh... (laughs) but I hope that helps you remember. I'm not done. There's one more thing. If you look at the verse itself in its entirety, if you can put the whole verse back there up on screen, again, in in the King James translation of this uh, famous verse, which is how I grew up (laughs) memorizing it, I want you to notice that there's 25 words. Now, I know, kids, you're out of school. You were told there'd be no math in today's sermon. But if you break this up, I want you to see that the first 12 words are all about God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. The first 12 words are all about what God did for you. Share this with your friends. Tell somebody this good news. It's what God did for you. And the last 12 words are all about us. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, there's certain, and you know who you are, that are counting the words to make sure I'm right. That's okay. That's all right. One in every crowd. That's all right. I'm right. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten, are the first 12 words, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life are all about us. So the word in the middle between God and us is son. Jesus is the bridge between God and us. Now, listen, that's so simple. Even a child can understand that. And even a child can be moved by that. And even a child can tell it on the mountain and tell the world that God has done this in Jesus Christ. Why can't we? Like little children, trust and believe. And what about you today? Do you need to trust and believe? Do you need to receive this good news? This is not just something for little children, a a memory verse to help them share the faith. This is our faith. And I'm sharing it with you today. Do you know him? Do you know his love? Do you realize how great is his love? 
I want to unwrap this gift all Advent long, the, the, the idea of a gift exchange, you know, unwrapping and looking at what God wants to give to us. Truly, this is the greatest gift, the gift of his son we celebrate on Christmas. And so to do that, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and I won't talk a long time about it, but I want to make a few comments on Paul's prayer about God's love. Paul loved the church at Ephesus, and so in Ephesians 3, and starting in uh, verse 17, if you want to turn there, Ephesians 3, 17, he prayed over this church that he loved in a city called Ephesus, and I thought, I'd like to pray over this church that I love. And here's his prayer. I want to point out a few things I think are very beautiful about this prayer, hopefully magnify Christ. Paul prays, I pray that you, in other words, he's praying for the church, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. His prayer for his people is that they would comprehend God's love. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to talk about how much God loved you, loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son. Have you comprehended that? Have you apprehended that? Specifically, Paul prays that his people would be able to comprehend the four-dimensional love of God. Do you see the four dimensions? Comprehend with all the saints what's the length and width and height and depth. That means his love is long, his love is wide, his love is high, and his love is deep. How long is God's love? One of our great theologians, Randy Travis, once said, I'm going to love you forever. <laughs> Didn't he? Something about as long as old women sit and talk about the weather. No, as long as the men, t- he said it. God's love is long. And it's so long it can last for all eternity. Yesterday I said that his love is from everlasting to everlasting. The length of God's love. It's never going to end. It's eternal. It's love is wide. God's love is wide. The love of Jesus Christ is wide. Not only is it long, it's going to be long enough to last for all eternity. It's wide. And that means it's for whosoever. His love is wide enough to include every race, every ethnicity, every man, woman, boy, and girl. If you feel like the cool kid, the popular person, if you feel like the weirdo, his love is wide enough for you. If if you feel wealthy or you feel very poor, you are wealthy, you are poor, his love is wide. If you grew up in church and you say, I know John 3.16, If you never saw John 3.16 in your life, let me tell you, his love is wide enough for you. He loves you. His love is wide. When that verse says, whosoever, we used to sing a hymn growing up, whosoever meaneth me. (laughs) That hymn comes from John 3.16. Whosoever will place their faith and trust in Jesus. Whosoever meaneth me. His love is high. What does that mean? Well, Psalm 103 says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And his love is deep. What does that mean? His love is deep. That means no one has ever gotten to the bottom of God's love. Do you ever wonder, uh, well, how many times can I sin and God forgive me? 
I mean, if I, if I dip from the well of forgiveness and then, I, and then I need a little more grace and then I need a little more grace, will there eventually come a day where I've, I've sort of exhausted God's supply of forgiveness? Will the well of his mercy run dry? And the answer is no, his love is deep. No one has ever reached the bottom of God's well of forgiveness and no one ever will. And then there's this great line. I want you to, I want you to comprehend what's the length and height, the length and width and height and depth of God's love. And you say, well, obviously, the, 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 the girth of God's love, the sort of dimensions of God's love, there's no way we can get our head around that. And Paul's like, yeah, I want you to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. You see, that's a deliberate oxymoron, right? That's, that's a paradox. To know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. What does that mean? I want you to know something. You can't know it. But I want you to know it. You'll never know it. I want you to know it. Can you imagine, kids, if your teacher gave you a test? Here, I want you to know this material. Pfft, you can't. You're like, yeah, I imagine that all the time. That's how it feels. Yeah, exactly. What's he mean? To know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. What? I think what he, what he means is he wants you to know more fully the love of Christ. He wants you to know, and I want you to know this morning, how much God loves you. But no matter how much you know God loves you, there's always more to discover. No matter how much you grow to, to, to know the Lord through the study of his word, and through worshiping with other people, there's always going to be more. You know, when I fell in love with Jackie, I was head over heels. Sorry, kids. I know this grosses you out. And I got to know her, and I got to know her. And, but as the years go on, I, I get to know her even more, right? And there's even more to know and to grow and deepen in that love. That's a finite and small example of how it is to have a relationship with God. However much you know, there's going to be more to know. So, so he wants you to know God's love, but he also wants you to appreciate that it surpasses knowledge. Now, how do you get it? Well, he gives a couple metaphors here. Did you notice? He says, if you're going to really understand God's love, if you're going to really get your head around the John 3.16 kind of love of God, he says, he uses a couple metaphors. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. That's, he's kind of mixing metaphors. I love, uh, sometimes, listen, don't ever beat yourself up if you're praying and your mind wanders in a prayer. Don't beat yourself up. Don't think oh, I'm the only one to ever do it. Because Paul, I, Paul does that a lot in his prayers. <laughs> he kind of meanders and wanders. He's got an agricultural metaphor and an architectural one. I pray you're rooted and firmly established. Roots are talking about agriculture, how trees grow. And firmly established, he's talking about the foundations of architectural buildings. I don't know much about architecture, but I've seen a tree. So we'll talk about that one. Uh, and here's what I know about trees. Uh, even our, even our, our Christmas tree, you know, we, we, get a, we get a real Christmas tree, and so you have to put the water in the, in the base there. And it's amazing how much uh, that, that, that the tree will, will drink. But I've never, I've never once seen anywhere in all of my hiking or all my nature uh, experience, it's funny how trees absorb water. Uh, I've never put like a water bottle next to a tree, and the roots like reach up out of the ground, grab the bottle, and like start drinking it, Okay. Kids, if you ever see that, run for your life, okay? You're in some sort of forbidden forest, right? That would be insane. We, we wouldn't expect that. Trees don't reach up and just guzzle the water. They don't get it all in one take. What do they do? Over time, it is amazing. Over time, this, this, this root system and all these capillaries go deep. Watch this. I'm going somewhere with this. All these roots grow deep. 
And as they do, they absorb that water and pull it up through the phloem and xylem or whatever. I'm not sure the science. Pull it up. Chlorophyll's involved, I think. And it goes out and it nourishes the whole tree. It takes a long time. you got to put the roots deep. And over time, almost minuscule amounts at a time, the water comes in and nourishes the tree. I'm going to say that again. You don't get it all at once. If you want to know God's love, you don't get it all at once. You put your roots down deep, and over a long period of time, little by little, almost imperceptibly, you're nourished and hydrated by that good water. Get in church, get your family in church, keep them there, and don't miss. Why? Because you you can't do 18 years of spiritual development in a big gulp a few times a year. You put the roots down deep, You absorb that water almost imperceptibly. Sometimes you'll leave and you think, I I don't even know what I learned today. That happens. That's okay. You put your roots down deep in God's word. You memorize the scripture. You you, you pick a Wednesday night. You get involved. This is the best investment of a family's time. There's not a better investment. There's just not one. I don't feel bad asking people to make what I think is the single best investment of their time. You put the roots down deep, and over time, over years, nourish. And that's not a guilt trip for anybody who says, well, I haven't really been involved in church. I haven't really been coming. Well, the best time to get involved in church was 18 years ago. But the second best time would be now, right? So we're starting January 1. We'll be here. Put the roots down deep. That's, what, that's why he says being rooted and firmly established in love. It's all about the love of God. And he says at the end, may, or in verse 18, may be able to comprehend together with all the saints. Ah, together with all the saints means join a Sunday school class. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. You can't understand the multifaceted dimensions of God's love as a single solitary Christian coming to worship each Sunday. Together with all the saints means together with all the saints. It means we can understand and grow in the love of God as we grow in community. These aren't just programs. Uh, you know, it's not, like, it's, not like there's a, it's not like God has a sign on a refrigerator in heaven with a checkbox going, oh, you know, you, you came today. Oh, you missed today. No, 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 no. He loves you. He desires a relationship with you. And so all these programs are simply in service to helping God's people do that. That's why they exist. And if you can think of better ones, let's do better ones. Whatever. I, all I want to do is that. Comprehend together with all the saints. Put your roots deep. Get in community together. Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's why Paul wants you to know the height and width. and I, I can never get this order right. The length and width and height and depth of God's love. I don't, girth wasn't in there. I don't know where girth came from. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I know there are some grandparents here, and uh, I know that you know something about wanting people to be filled with fullness, because uh, when people go to your house, you are a food pusher. (laughs) You can't help yourself. You just want to make sure that everybody got enough. And sorry, that's the wrong word. Everybody got more than enough. That everybody is literally in pain, right? (laughs) Because they've been filled with the fullness of what you offered. I think God understands something about that. He's got all the fullness of heaven 
And he wants to see his people filled with the fullness of God. When's the last time you were so full you wanted to burst? It's God's love that ultimately does that. Now, if I go out to the Pacific Ocean and I have a little jar, and I put my jar in the Pacific Ocean, I, I suppose you could say that, that my jar is filled with the Pacific Ocean, but you, would be, you couldn't say that the fullness of the Pacific Ocean was inside my jar. But theologically, according to Colossians 2.9, in Jesus Christ, the fullness of deity dwells. So because Christ is infinite, there is a sense when we dip our lives into Christ, we are filled with the very fullness of God. Why is that so important? Uh, Satan preys on those. You know, the enemy, the devil. He wants to really tempt. He wants to destroy human lives. And I think he preys on those who have a gnawing emptiness. And one of his tricks is to convince people they can fill that gnawing emptiness inside of them uh, with uh, 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 finite things. And all it will do is poison us more. But Satan has a tougher time attacking someone who's filled with the fullness of God. Now, I know we have dentists in our church. I'm not a dentist, but I've been to one. And if I understand correctly, a cavity is really just a hole. That's all cavity means, right? So kids, brush your teeth because you don't want cavities. Uh, but a cavity is just a hole. And the problem with having a hole, what's the problem with that? Well, the, if I understand dental work correctly, and I don't, but it, I, can, I can make an attempt here. A layman's terms, I'm pretty sure a cavity, the problem is decay and rot can set in and bacteria and stuff can thrive in that hole. So that's no good. And it can, it can rot the tooth. So what does a good dentist do? They have this thing called a filling and by filling, by, I mean, I don't know why, this isn't the dentist punching you. This is, this is the filling going, I guess if the Novocaine doesn't work. Anyway, the point is they, they fill that in, right? Why? Well, because now my tooth is protected in such a way. It's, it's full, and that bad stuff can't thrive in there. It can't get in there. Let me tell you, Satan cannot easily attack a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, whose heart is so full with the fullness of God. He loves you. He loves you. Well, that's what I came to tell you this morning. I came to preach simply about the love of God. I want it to fill you to the point of overflowing. My prayer for you is rooted and firmly established in love. That means you're in Christian community. Look, if you're not a church member here, I get it. There are many of you visiting from out of town. Find a local body where you are. Plug in. And, and you may be able to comprehend with all the saints, that means we've got to do this together, the length and width and height and depth of God's love. That's John three sixteen, And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And by the way, if Paul's prayer was answered for the church at Ephesus, hmm? if that prayer was answered, did you notice? Uh, some of you are coming in here with hurts and habits and hangups and heartaches. Did you think about this? If, every, if, if that prayer were answered, not a single one of their circumstances would have changed. It wasn't like, I pray you Ephesian Christians get, uh, you know, Rome, Rome is really hard on you guys right now if you're in Ephesus in 30 and 50 AD. And so uh, uh, I pray that those Roman soldiers would ease up on the persecution. No. I pray there would be legislation that Caesar would somehow give a lot of religious freedom to Christians. No, nah, circumstances didn't change there. I pray that you'd get, you know, a lot wealthier, you have a big financial blessing. No, it's not really. I pray that all those things in your life, all the, no. 
No. So in a sense, your circumstances wouldn't change if this prayer were answered for your life. But there's a sense in which everything would change. Now, uh, can he do it? Can he answer this prayer? Can God answer this prayer? Because I'm, I'm about to pray it over you. So my question is, can God answer this prayer? And the answer is no. He can do more. <laughs> Look at the next verse. <laughs> now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And that's something, I'm about to pray this prayer for you, but just know, whatever I pray, God can not only answer it, he can do more in your life. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. That means 2023 and that means beyond the new year, forever and ever. Amen. Merry Christmas. Will you bow your head and let me pray this prayer over you? Heavenly Father, I pray for those gathered here in Coleman, Alabama. I pray, O oh God, that they, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend, together with all the saints, what is the length and width and height and depth of your love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so that everyone here may be filled with all the fullness of God. And we trust, O oh Lord, that you can do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to that power of the Holy Spirit that works so graciously in us. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus, amen. We're gonna have now a time of invitation. And an invitation is just that, it's an invitation. It's not a coercion, it's not a manipulation, it's an invitation. And who am I inviting? Well, specifically two groups of people. Uh, there may be those of you who are here in this, who are here in this room, maybe you're a guest here, maybe you're visiting, I'm so glad you're here. I hope that uh, uh, as I'm challenging God's people to, to plug in and for those roots to go deep, I hope no one misunderstood and took that as some sort of guilt trip. The whole point of this verse is not for you to dig down and try to love God more. Loving God more is great. It's important. But the point is not for you to love God more. It's for you to have more and more capacity to realize how much he loves you. It makes all the difference in the world. And as you're filled with God's love, it could be Holy Spirit touches your heart today and you realize you've never received the great gift of Christmas. You've never opened your heart up to God and received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you cry out to him this morning? You can receive him today. I cannot imagine a better day to have your eternity changed than to receive the Lord Jesus on Christmas Day 2022. I can't imagine a better thing. So if that's you, and you know I'm talking to you, you're on a path that is perishing, but there is this great gift of God in Jesus Christ. Will you receive him today? So that'd be the first invitation. You can come forward, meet with Pastor Scott. We can set up a time to talk to you more about that. We can pray right here, help you on that journey, if that's you. It could be that you're here and you're a believer and you have uh, over time maybe gotten too far away from that good gospel fire <laughs> and you need to go back and warm your heart at that gospel good news. The simplicity of John 3.16 of what he did for you in your place and for your salvation. Whatever it is, be obedient. 
you hear God speaking to you, you, you respond in obedience. Would you stand to your feet? Pastor Scott will be here to receive any who come. Chuck, you lead us in the invitation. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for all who can the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.